This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome everybody to Hans Shot First. I'm joined by Alex and recurring guest Wade. Hello. All right, guys. Uh, so we're going to switch things up a little bit here. I know uh, we were going to be talking about Teen Wolf, but that's that's going to be uh, Trish is missing. Episode. So, um, so instead, we're going to be talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the World. The the in my opinion, Edgar Wright. Magnum opus. Uh, so far, he's a young guy. <laughs> he's good. Yeah, top he's, it. he's got a lot in the tank. That's true. What about Ant Man? Uh, Ant Man might have been it. Uh, might have been it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, pretty sad. Uh, f- speak, speak, speaking of Ant Man, since we're talking about that, um, so Joss Whedon's come out on record. On record, as <laughs> 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 opposed to just lying outright. Um, right. He's come out and said that uh, he was kind of sad to see Edgar Wright go uh, from Ant-Man and that his script for Ant-Man was uh, ba- really basically basically what he wanted out of the movie, out of what Joss yeah. Whedon wanted. Right. Uh, so it's too bad that... So there was a wayfish girl beating people up at some point, I imagine. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, there were some fast cuts to people pouring drinks and or pulling <laughs> beer taps. Uh, but yes, uh, it was just it really is too bad that uh, probably Kevin Feige, Feige, however you pronounce his name, the right. Marvel mastermind, uh, just was not seeing eye to eye with uh, with Edgar Wright. Um, just because they, you know, with the Marvel movies, they've they've got that kind of uh, consistent style, I guess. Throughout all the movies, and probably Edgar Wright wanted to deviate from that, and they weren't cool with He's it. He's an auteur. Really he does his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't I'm put not... Edgar. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Finish. I was okay, going to say I wouldn't put Edgar Wright in a position where he has to mimic other people. He's so his own person. He's got his own style. That I think that would have been really strange. I think it would have probably been a really fantastic movie, but it definitely would have been an outlier to what Marvel really wants to do with their cinematic universe. I, I so completely I, agree, yeah. so I wonder why they got in bed with him to begin with. Like, they had to know what they were getting out of the guy. Then maybe I don't think he, that he's he probably gonna... not serious. Hmm. I don't think he's gonna do this. That's <laughs> what the suits thought. They're like, nah, he's just joking. He's not going to make something creative and original. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That, and that's not to shit on the other people that have done the Marvel movies. <laughs> but, Kenneth uh, Branagh, that hack. Yeah, what the fuck has that guy ever done? <laughs> what the fuck has the Ant-Man director ever done? Teen Wolf. Uh, <laughs> who, who picked up the... After Edgar left? I don't know. I can't remember his name. Yeah, it's Edgar Wright. I don't think Edgar Wright took over for Edgar Wright. 
Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed. Is his name. That name <laughs> doesn't mean anything to me. I, oh, I, you he, know what? I looked this up before, but I don't remember. He, he, he made Yes Man. Right? Everybody's seen that. Everybody uh, loves that, right? Yes Man. I do Man. like that movie. Did you? I, I never saw it. I could have gotten my hour and a half back or whatever it was. Two hours. Yeah, yeah it, it was he, pretty funny. The ending sucked. Like, it uh, had a couple funny moments, but... Eh. It was pretty funny. No, it he wasn't. did the, the yeah, breakup. The Vince Vaughn, uh, Jennifer Aniston romantic comedy. Uh, he did Down with Love, which uh, I don't know what that is. It's apparently a Renee Zellweger movie. Okay, I I actually really like that one. <laughs> okay, so that, one, that was that. like that, that one was a uh, a throwback to the old like fifties, early sixties, the sex comedies. Okay, that makes where, yeah, where, that sounds where nobody's good. where nobody's actually having sex anywhere near the camera. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's all about the bachelors, the the man's man, uh, man about yeah. town, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then Terry he did Brands. Bring It On. He did Bring It On also. The, uh, the cheerleader comedy. Which actually, which I saw, which is the one that I have seen of his. And uh, that was actually pretty good. Yeah, no, none of those movies are bad movies, but nothing really jumps out to me. Yeah, I mean, he's not exactly an auteur. This was solid, like, yeah, like you said, again. Like, Bring It On is solid for what it is. Auteur. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the Rotten Tomatoes, 63 for Bring It On, 60 for Down With Love, 33 for Break Up, 46 for Yes Man. So, barely making the, the barely getting the fresh rating on uh, <laughs> in his filmography. Hmm. So, my, 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 definitely my appetite for that movie waned as, uh, when I heard that some guy I'd never heard of was going to be the director. Yeah, the... the... Latest trailer playing along with Age of Ultron, yeah, was it's pretty good. Uh, I'm, it kind of rekindled my interest in the movie. Yeah, Frank. yeah, it looks cool, but I'm kind of disappointed that it's going to turn into another, you know, Battle of the Suits. From what Dude, I can that, tell from the trailers, well, right? I mean, There's going to be another Ant Man suit, basically. Yeah, like, like the Iron Man, Iron Man One climax, or just just a bigger Iron Man's. Yes. And actually, the oh, villain's it's a whip another, Iron Man's. It's another bald guy too. <laughs> another bald. Uh, oh yeah, the guy from House of Cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Corey Stahl. Yeah. He's been in a shitload of movies. He's always that. Has he's he? one of that guy's. Yeah. Yeah. He's been that guy for a long time. The shitty guy in a suit. He's, he's usually. <laughs> yeah, he actually, yeah, he, or usually, or shitty guy in law enforcement. Oh okay. One one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, you know, I hadn't thought about the double suit thing until Alex pointed it out just now. Well, who, who else are Ant Man's enemies? I have no idea. Well, he's supposed to be in Avengers. Yeah, he's an Avenger. He's he's like a brain in the Avengers, pretty much. So I don't think he has really oh, any right. direct villains. Didn't Ant Man make Ultron in the comics? Yes. No, yeah. it was it was, well the original Ant Man, Hank Pym. That's uh, Michael Douglas's character. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Makes him. Yeah. No. Not, not but uh, yeah, I mean, they. I mean, yeah, he's got to have his own rogues gallery. I just, I have no idea what it is. Uh, yeah. The wasp. Oh, no, wait, the wasp yeah. is his wife. It's just his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Oh. The hornet. All, the green hornet. Yeah. That's no, the one that uh, he like smacks in the mouth, right? Isn't in Ant Man like infamously a wife beater? <laughs> uh, 
He's not played by Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Connery, that interview with Barbara Watson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I think if the woman's being hysterical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, if she gives you no other choice. <laughs> yeah, then it's, it's okay to slap her. But only when she's hysterical. Yeah. She needs to calm down. <laughs> there was that okay. line in uh, Venture yeah. Brothers where, uh, where, uh, where it was like Horace Gentleman is talking about like the, the celebrities that need a good slap in the mouth. He starts listing the names, and I didn't get that until later when I learned that about Sean Connery. I'm like, oh, I get that joke now. <laughs> hey, he was, I mean, I guess that interview was, what, the late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, he was, it was it, not that long ago. It wasn't, if, like, you know. <laughs> If that interview was in 2010, <laughs> maybe he's yeah, that, Teflon. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be done for him. He'd get, he'd get banned from basketball. <laughs> well, you, you know, two game take, suspension yes yes he, uh, the commissioner of Hollywood <laughs> would suspend him they'd no other choice but to suspend him for four movies uh, <laughs> that's why he wasn't in the indie indie four but, uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I mean in real life Connery is a million years old yes but I mean he's ten years older than than Harrison Ford, right? And Harrison Ford is like almost Harrison Ford's in his, he's in his seventies, I believe. It's like seventy. Yeah, you you had eight, and if you go by the movie logic, you would have had eighty-something-year-old Connery rolling around, and I do yeah. mean rolling. <laughs> uh, speaking of old actors playing even older characters, uh, have you guys seen the trailer for the? Uh, Mr. Holmes, I think it's called. Oh yeah, I have heard about that. It's, um, it's, what's his it's name? Not, not, it's not quite what I thought it was going to be, but looks interesting. Yeah, it's got like a, it's got a Magneto playing uh, Sherlock Holmes, basically, right? What's his name? His name is escaping me. Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. There you go. But like like a ninety-something-year-old Holmes. Right, like he's battling, like you know, dementia, basically. As he's trying to solve a case. Um, I don't know about. I didn't get that vibe from the trailer, but that's possible. I, uh, I thought that he was like, kinda, like going senile a bit, but he was still like a genius. So he was like kind of like, you know, fighting, trying to stay relevant. Keep it together, Holmes. <laughs> Keep it together, Holmes. <laughs> so, fighting dementia and incontinence. Yeah. It's back, back to Edgar Wright and Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah, the subject of this podcast, apparently. So, so my my favorite uh, Edgar Wright movie, and he he pretty much has done no wrong as far as I'm concerned so far mm-hmm. in his burgeoning career. So he's got um, four movies under his credit under his belt, five now between the Cornetto, the Cornetto trilogy, Scott Pilgrim, and then what? What's a Cornetto trilogy? The Cornetto Trilogy is Shaun of the Dead, um, Hot Fuzz, and The End of the World. And they're all, it's called the Cornetto and Blood Trilogy, I think, because someone eats a Cornetto in each one. Ice, uh, ice Cream and Blood. Ice Cream and Blood, that's right. Yeah, because someone eats a, but someone eats specifically a Cornetto, which is like a ice cream, like think, a prepackaged diff- ice cream cone. a different flavor of Cornetto, too. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And each one, and each one has blood in it also so that's what links them together lots of blood 
Yeah. Uh, or blue stuff. <laughs> or yes. <laughs> so but it's, has he done anything else? It was just I think it's just the four, right? Uh, this sounds like a job for the internet. <laughs> he did spaced pretty much, right? That was all him. Yeah, yeah that he, was spaced and yeah, yeah. TV. Yeah. yeah. We'll fix all this see. typing in post. <laughs> no, I won't. Oh. <laughs> Lazy bastard. Yeah, I probably will. Uh, anyways, uh, my yeah. my favorite Edgar Wright. Uh, what about you, Wade? Mm-hmm. I I love Hot Fuzz of of the three of the Cornetto trilogy. That one's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I like I think Hot that's... Fuzz too. I think that yeah, Hot it's Fuzz just two? like. <laughs> they should. It's just such a perfect little, like, well-crafted clock of of plot. Everything that happens in the second half was set up in the first Dude, half. He's cock plotting me. <laughs> I, I thought it was like the perfect blend of uh, between Shaun of the Dead and At World's End, where you know you get the the seriousness, but the humor, and like you said, yeah, it's it's very tightly. Uh, Plotted and moved along. Plus, spoilers, yeah. he kicks an old lady in the teeth. And he drop yeah. kicks an old lady, which is one of the best right. things ever seen. <laughs> you see her face all bloodied up and stuff. Like, <laughs> I can't believe she's not dead. <laughs> I think they put that shot in just so you'd re- see that he didn't actually like kick her head off. Her skull didn't just completely just burst into powder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Yeah. Old lady with a broken nose. <laughs> oh, she deserved it. Well, she did. Yeah. See, I like Hot Fuzz, but my problem with Hot Fuzz is that the other two movies in the trilogy have a stronger theme. I think, and more of a you know a lesson. Yes, I. Yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I, I don't, I I don't think know if I've lesson in the second movie. Yeah, I don't know if I've dad. talked about this before. But, like, you know, Shaun the Dead was a guy, you know, his life, he's going through his life like a zombie. He fights zombies, and then at the end, he's really living his life. He's now really alive. And World's End, it's a guy who is rehashing his childhood. He has to face the fact that he's not, you know, has to grow and become an adult. And then, ironically, in the end, spoiler alert, he kind of regresses into a childish fantasy. The world has become his childhood fantasy, basically. So I thought that those were two were stronger thematically than Hot Fuzz, which is about... Like kind of like an action hero cop, and at the end he becomes an action hero cop. It's like he doesn't. What did, did he learn anything? Did he grow? What was the point? I'm not exactly sure. Maybe that was the point. He didn't take everyone's telling too seriously after that. Every, well, everybody was. Off. Well, no, he right. still takes his job extremely seriously. Yeah, I mean, Just, everyone was telling him he needs to switch off because he's wrong, but he was actually right the whole time. And then he goes big gung ho guns blazing, and he was vindicated. The whole thing is is him being vindicated for his behavior rather than learning something. So, I mean, he know. does, I mean, I guess he learns to lighten up a little bit. But, but if he had lightened up, then he wouldn't have solved anything. Yeah, yeah, so there's no, <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no real moral there. Yeah. So and that was, in that, fact, the, the whole, like, the, the movie is, so, is ultra-violent at points, and, but he might be, like, the most violent character of all. <laughs> and now he's yeah. running the town at the end of the movie. <laughs> So yeah, he's not going to murder people. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he walks into town on a horse with like two shotguns over his shoulders and everything. Yeah, he went full action hero. 
think he went from real yeah real cop to action hero cop. Yeah. Which is I don't know, but it's just kind of like a weird meta kind of thing. I don't think it worked quite as well as the other two movies, but it was still a very finely crafted movie. Other than that, I would say. What's the Scott, Scott Pilgrim? Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah. The, his is that his first? I guess it's a American movie. It's uh, not. It's Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. It's set in Canada. Well. And the dude that wrote <laughs> the book is Canadian, so. And the lead actor is Canadian. Mm-hmm. Michael Sarah's Canadian? Yep. Pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. Let's find out. Because uh... <laughs> I thought he was... I just kind of mix him up with into the whole... Um, what's his name? Uh, Seth Rogen. <laughs> Seth Rogen crowd. And they're all Canadian, aren't they? Are they? Seth Rogen is. I know that for a fact. Nah, he's Jewish. Yeah. Jews, Jews, yeah, Jews can be Canadian. Jews are all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> what? Even Alaska? Yeah. You would think <laughs> it. Yeah. No, you're yeah, right. Michael Sarah is Canadian, yeah. Brampton, Ontario. Brampton. Lovely, lovely Brampton, Ontario. Lovely Brampton. Mm-hmm. No idea what that is. Well, That's I mean, it's Ontario. Mississauga. <laughs> Oh, it's right in Toronto. Okay. Yeah, so it's a Canadian movie. Mississauga sort of. tequila. Mississauga? Is that a brand? <laughs> no, it just sounded kind of like Sousa, so I thought I'd say something. Okay. <laughs> Move along. <laughs> so, so going into... Uh, so has anybody... Has anybody read the comic? I, yes. I think Alex has. You got, both of you guys have. Uh, yeah, yes. because I bought all the books and now I let Scott borrow them and I'm never getting them back. I, oh. I have no idea what Alex is talking about. <laughs> but yes, I have read them. <laughs> uh, so what did movie. you guys... Oh, see, so you right after the movie. Alex, did you see it? Did you read it before or after you saw the movie? Before. Okay. So how did you guys think... What do you guys think of the movie as an adaptation? It's very solid because it yeah. didn't do it didn't do everything exactly the same as the book, but it got the general point across, and it put in some like uh, you know Edgar Wright put in his Edgar Wright stamp on it. Right. Mm-hmm. It was very. I thought it was very faithful. Uh, but by the time the movie was wrapping, the comics hadn't actually been finished. Or the graphic novels actually had not been finished. So uh, they they didn't know like how exactly it was going to end when they the were guy didn't tell making, them. Um, I don't think he knew at that point. He like he hadn't decided. I think could be wrong about that. Oh, so they so I mean they filmed found, two different endings. Yeah, they filmed the two endings. Well, yeah, I know that he ends up with one girl in one ending and the other girl in the other ending, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at that and, point, the it still was up in the air. Uh I had heard that the that the one that the one that they went with was actually like they they like went back and did that based on like test screenings or something like that. Like the the other end, the alternate ending was the official ending until it got changed. That's what I heard. Well, I don't know about Scott Pilgrim, but like twenty two year old ending up with a fifteen year old at the end of the movie is yeah. 
Well, he was. He's supposed no, to. Yeah, she, he was she, twenty-two. No, she was. She was seventeen. Mm, yeah, she's. Yeah, she's, she's seventeen. 17 yeah. yeah, she's fifteen. No, <laughs> she's seventeen, and then, like it's actually a, a point in the I think in the graphic novels where she turns eighteen. Oh yeah, you're right. I wish I could <laughs> read that those again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why you don't. <laughs> just just read them. Yeah, I don't see what's the deal. You dicks. <laughs> uh, well, an interesting side note about the all the actors around Michael Sarah. Like pretty much everybody in that movie's older than he is. Uh, yeah, Mary Elizabeth is, is older. Yeah. Uh, Knives Chow, played by uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, anyways, yeah, but uh, the one that plays Knives is older, I think maybe even older than Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah both markedly older than him. <laughs> yeah, he was younger than his, uh, his character and everybody else was older than their character. Which really? Strange. Was like... He was 20. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah Ellen Wong, who I thought was like, great in she... Knives. I'm kind of yeah, has she been in anything, anything else? else? Not yeah. like some TV, TV shows. Uh, no, no big movies for sure. Uh, yeah, I thought she was really good. I, I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona. Yeah, uh, who, who we'll get to here in a minute. But yeah, we'll go, going into the the release of the movie, I had very little knowledge of the comics. Um, I just kind of had a vague in- inclination of what what I was going to see when I got in there, and was just pretty much uh, blown away. Um, I can't remember the last time I was that surprised by a movie in a good way, walking out of there. Hmm. I had high expectations because I was already a big Edgar Wright fan. I'd seen Spaced already. I'd seen Shaun of the Dead. Uh, these came out after Hot Fuzz, I believe. And so I was already like ready to for a really good movie. And even still, like I think midway through, I kind of had that like I kind of detached and went, "This is a really good fucking movie." <laughs> 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 and so I was, yeah, I was very impressed, and I even I had and I had high expectations. So it was very. It's probably one of my top ten movies. I think part of that, uh, part of that, I like the story, I like the acting is very funny, but just the presentation of it, the way that the scene transitions and yeah, the, that was awesome. Yes, angles and everything, like, the physical together. comedy and everything. Yeah, it's such a, it's so stylish. It's so much. Yeah, Edgar Wright's really about the style overload, which I love when 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 um when directors do that. I just love it when they just cake on their own just style and make it crazy off the wall. And Edgar Wright does that, and I just ate it up. He just did it perfectly in this movie. And as as a comic book movie, I don't think there's ever been a better one. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean a movie based on the source material. I mean mm-hmm. a movie that was trying to look like. Uh, a graphic novel would, or a comic book would. Dick Tracy. No. <laughs> yeah, Dick Tracy. <laughs> Good pull, but no. The Warriors. I, you know, I actually appreciate what they're going for, what Warren Beatty was going for with Dick Tracy. Yeah. With the whole yeah. color palette and uh-huh. uh, the the costuming and stuff, but uh, right. Yeah, but I mean, this like you actually get the words on on the screen sometimes. So like, at one point he's banging his head against a, a telephone pole, and you see the thunk thunk like yeah, pop yeah. up above his head you know like that, that kind of little stuff is just, just permeates the whole movie right well and plus yeah, you know and, all the you know, video games like stuff too 
Yes. Mm-hmm. With, you know, like the, the urine meter and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you, you kind of saturate it in the style of, like, you know, the pop culture tropes that that generation is so familiar with. I thought it was great. Did they have that kind of stuff in the, in the graphic novel? The, car, the sort of, like, video gamey oh, yes. layer to it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think one of, one of the, the covers is in the Tanuki suit. The, the raccoon suit from Mario Brothers Three. Do they have stuff like like urine meter and like power bars and stuff like that? I don't think there was urine meter, but there was definitely like uh, like he collects um, like stuff. Coins. You know, he gets loot. He levels yeah. up. There were plenty uh, complaints that he didn't take. Um, he, he gets the the skateboard from uh, Lucas Lee. And he's like, oh, I should have taken that skateboard proficiency back in high school, like, <laughs> which, which is less video game and just more like Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I definitely like the movie more than the graphic novels. Oh yeah, what about you, Alex? Uh, they're even for me. Yeah, but it's, what, I mean, what, I really enjoy them, but what would you say that the graphic novel does better than the movie? Either of you. Hmm. It, it definitely expands more upon the relationship that Scott has with, with Ramona. Yeah. Like they, they go through a lot more together and it's, it's much more realistic than it is in the movie, you know, cause they've got uh, a lot more, or you've got a lot more time to deal with. Yeah. Than you would in a two hour movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, naturally stuff. Yeah. The books and graphic novels stuff, they just have more time to develop things. There's just more story there. The movies are always kind of Cliff Notes versions of the story. Right. And the, all, all the other characters get a lot more development and backstory. Yeah. And some turn gay. Yes. <laughs> uh, you find one of the characters comes out of the closet. Uh, you get, by, it was funny, by the end of the graphic novels, I was actually rooting for Scott to get together with Kim Pine. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. The, the drummer, yeah. Hmm. But then, yeah, in the in the book, they have a much better reconciliation and everything. It was pretty cool. That whole yeah. like it was like a side story arc to the hmm. book. It was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the the movie starts with the the whole Zelda theme <laughs> as they pan down <laughs> the house. It's more Zelda than anything. There's and a lot of Zelda references, it seems, and I'm not even very familiar with Zelda, but. Uh, there's an awesome reference to the baseline from Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> yep. When he when Scott Pilgrim says, "Hey, I learned the baseline to Final Fantasy." But yeah, like Wade's saying, from the very first shot, uh, the way that it pans down, and then uh, they're inside, and there's so much detail in every one of the sets. You know, there's a couple points when they're outside, just kind of on the streets where it looks kind of like a normal place, but everywhere else is this, you know, hyper uh, colorful or detailed um, set piece. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, some, some fantastic set pieces in this movie too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, what's, what's the name of the, the place where they have the first battle of the bands? Oh, the rocket. The rocket. Yes. I mean that that's pretty cool. It's got the upstairs uh, balcony where they watch from. You yeah. get the where they <laughs> were able to stage the hilarious joke with uh, Karen Culkin, 
who kills it in this movie, by the way. Yo, seriously. <laughs> he came out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, you, know, you get Anna Kendrick, too, who's it's never a bad thing. Right. Uh, but you get that. The At the... Uh, rocket. Not the rocket. <laughs> the, where uh, Clash at Demon Head plays... At, where they have the secret show, uh, yeah, like that. That is one of my favorite all-time set pieces. There, yeah, watching watching them in the audience. Uh huh. The cutting and, back and forth with, yeah. with like the, the power cords. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Knife's face turns into an emoticon. Yeah, <laughs> with the the Mac sound. Yeah, um, the the scene at the end with the whole pyramid thing inside the. The club or level. Oh, damn, I can't remember their names in these places. Cathedral <laughs> of. <laughs> oh, I forget what he calls it, but does not. Is is not uh, up to your Canadian sensibilities. Of cutting edge tastes. Yeah, of cutting edge <laughs> tastes is not your Canadian sensibilities. Ah, uh, Schwartzman. Is Gabriel American? Who's Gabriel? Wasn't that his name? Gabriel something. Uh, Gideon Graves. Gideon. Gideon. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Gideon Gabriel. Gideon Graves. He's American. I think so, yeah. Yes. Schwartzman. He's Jewish. I know Schwartzman is. But I want to ask his character. <laughs> you made so me anyway. swallow my gum. It's going to be in my digestive tract for seven years. <laughs> so, you get all the amazing set pieces in this movie. Uh, acting... It's great. You get a lot of interesting turns from people that usually aren't doing that that type of role. Uh, so you get Chris Evans playing a complete douchebag as Lucas Lee. He's already played a complete douchebag before. I mean, yeah, Johnny Storm. <laughs> that's true. Captain America. Yeah, Captain America. <laughs> what a douche. He's a bigger <laughs> douche than, than Cat. Uh, <laughs> Do you know who I am? I'm Captain Fucking America. That was in the comic books. <laughs> 1948. <laughs> Captain America. It, it had the dingbats in the fucking, but you you knew what it was saying. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's American freedom of speech. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> Chris Evans has the great turn as the the douchebag. Right. Uh, you get uh, May Whitman. You're gonna hear two clicks. The first one is me hanging up. The second click is me pulling the trigger. <laughs> yeah, the movie yeah, within the movie, and this was great too. I want to see it. <laughs> like somebody after, after the movie was over, somebody found all the the one the one shots the posters yeah. they did for the movie. <laughs> and like I want to see all those movies that yeah <laughs> they said they did. <laughs> I love fake movie posters that are in movies. They're mm-hmm. always awesome. Uh, so you get that. You get Mae Whitman as Roxy Richter. Right. Her. The girl on girl fight. Yeah. That's great reunion from uh, Arrested Development. Yep. Yeah. I hadn't seen Arrested Development the first time I saw the movie, so everyone kept talking about, oh, she's a girl from Arrested Development. I don't recognize her. You punch me in the boob. <laughs> Prepare to die, obviously. <laughs> next time, I'll be deadly serious next time. What? what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Poof. Yeah. Then yeah. I get the more of the comic book stuff there. Right. 
No, back to Lucas Lee. This thing has been bugging me since I saw the movie, and I can't put my finger on it, but when all the stunt people are beating up on Scott Pilgrim and he's walking away, he gets a text, and he afterwards he says, oh, that's actually pretty hilarious. But the sound that the text, you know, alert makes is from a video game, but I don't know which one. I thought you were going to say, what was the text that he got? <laughs> yeah. No. It's, it's actually hilarious. Yeah. You could probably look it up online. Someone's probably written it somewhere. Of course, but... But I, I don't recognize it. It's from a game. I want to say it's from a Sega game. Some some Genesis game. But yeah, other than that, I don't think it's Sonic, but... Should have something to do with skateboards, you would think. Yeah, maybe. 720? Skater die? Is a skater die? <laughs> I didn't play a lot of skater dice. Oh, come on. So you died, <laughs> is what you're saying. You're dead yeah. now. I did not skate. I just died. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, I, I, I don't know is the answer to your question, Alex. Oh, okay. It's... I bet Jeff would know. <laughs> yeah, I bet he would. Uh, so... So who's your favorite X? Roxy Evil Reader. X. Who'd you, who'd you say, Scott? Cut out there. Yeah. I didn't say anything. You no. didn't say who you... I thought you said Roxy. Was your favorite X of the seven Evil X's? It was probably the first one. Matthew first Patel. First one. You're so ridiculous. Mm. Didn't you Matthew get my email? Patel. <laughs> I skimmed it. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> that slow-mo shot is brilliant. What am I doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> then Wallace, fight! Oh, <laughs> awesome. It gives me jazz. He kicks the shit out of Matthew Patel. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. Well, he's the first boss. <laughs> like, I don't think Matthew Patel lands a single punch. Yeah. No, he, he rocks him a little bit. Does he? Yeah. With yeah, his uh, demon hipster chicks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just kills, crashing the boys. Yeah. I like in the middle of that fight, everything just goes to a dead stop. Are you dressed like a pirate? <laughs> Pirates, are, Pirates are in right now? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's really the only fight that he actually wins handily. Yeah, pretty much, Cause, yeah. Because he goes, he gets his ass kicked in the next two. Yeah. And they have the Battle of the Bands, which I guess he wins that one pretty good. But although they get yeah. rocked again. And then the fight at the end, where he's got to do it twice. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what are, you, what are your, favorite, your favorite evil exes? Todd. Uh, which one was Todd. Number four. The, uh, Superman. Superman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was my favorite as well. Todd is awesome. Using his vegan powers. Don't you know, Todd's vegan. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. He just starts moving shit around with his mind. He's just better than you because he's vegan. <laughs> even, even while reading the book, he said, did you know Todd yeah. is vegan? And the next one, he's like, using my powers. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Same reaction. <laughs> that was my, my little, one of my favorite little background things in the entire movie when they, they get in the grammar argument uh, out in the alley. <laughs> he and I have business. And he says, he and me, don't you correct me on my grammar because <laughs> you'll be dust. <laughs> he's like, What? And he's wrong. <laughs> he's just by Monday. The maid, has, <laughs> the maid has the weekends off. So Monday, 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And they <laughs> Monday off, so she did. So like while it's while, while it's going on, you see Envy uh, Adams, uh, who played played by uh, Brie Larson, who I also love. Uh, she's just, she's just here in the background, like looking up the sky, rolling her eyes, like she can't believe how much of an idiot she <laughs> is. So she has, she's got to step in and says, "The point is, he's going to kill you." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then when you get Thomas Jane and uh, right. Clifton Collins Jr. <laughs> <laughs> they high five each other on the way out in slow yeah. motion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the theater I was in, everybody busted up when that happened. Uh, Veganity violation. <laughs> in the book, uh, milk and eggs, bitch. Yeah, the, the, there was there was a pretty big difference in the fight in that Scott doesn't actually bring about the victory in the book. Oh. In the book, the vegan police just show up because. Todd had already committed his uh, his three strikes. So it was a DSX ex machina, basically? Yes. They actually, yeah. Scott Pilgrim actually says that in the book. Oh, yeah? <laughs> He's thinking to himself, wait, I can't die now. What about you know, so-and-so? Save it to the last second. Deus ex machina. <laughs> That's when the car burst through the wall. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the graphic novels, you get a lot more background on that, that actual ban on Clash of Demon Head. Um, and then spoilers, the... You find out that Todd is having an affair with the drummer. You just kind of see in the background in the movie. Yeah, she's not featured at all, pretty much. And she's and she's actually the one that gets him to eat the chicken parmesan. So like, not only is he cheating on Envy Adams, but he's cheating on his veganity <laughs> at the same time. Uh, and then yeah, like, Envy has a much bigger role throughout the, the books too, when she mm-hmm. makes her appearance. And it turns out the drummer's like a cyborg. She's got yes. extended <laughs> arms and everything. It's pretty cool. Yeah, her and Envy like. She must be a really good drummer then. Yeah. So, so about you, Alex? So Alex said Todd. What about what about you, Wade? No, oh, I was going to say Todd as well. Yeah, the whole the, from the concert and then the the bass the bass duel yeah, bass guitar bass duel awesome. and then his whole like floaty superpowers thing and then the, the he always combs his hair like right after using his powers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole sequence I was I was really entranced by. That it was pretty awesome. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed by the uh by the by the rock battle between him and and the two uh the twins. Yeah. And it was like okay, it was like it was like what it was like a shark and a gorilla or something kind of snapping so each other. It was twin it was over. Yeah. Oh, okay, I guess so. You're right. It was twin dragons, yeah. It was over pretty and fast. It was pretty simple. I guess yeah, they, yeah, they, they didn't get a lot speedy things do. along. Yeah, yeah. I can I mean, tell that they needed to jump to the end. Like, okay, let's just get these guys out of the way and then get to the third act. You, you did get the little easel or the easel drawing of them. <laughs> yeah, that's how they're. That's the art. Oh, style you don't. Uh, there's some, some great exposition there. Who are the Kadnagi twins? Oh, you don't know. And then it cuts him flipping the page over. It's the Kadnagis, <laughs> and they're totally badass. <laughs> yeah, in in the graphic novel, do they like have lines and everything? There's there's no big battle of the bands in the books. Oh, okay. Yeah, she actually has to fight them. Yeah. Oh. Both at once. I think so. I so forgot. I should read those books again. Well, they I think in the books they build a robot that like kicks his ass to begin with, yeah. uh-huh. but then he beats down the robot. That's another thing that they. they don't really go over too much in the movie 
Like several times. Rac- in the racial book. stereotypes? <laughs> yeah. Well, besides the racial stereotypes. Oh, it's worse than the graphic novels. Yeah. Like there's this whole yeah. subplot where, where Knives' dad like comes after Scott like a samurai. Like he stalks him because yeah. he's like a ninja. <laughs> and there's like this whole big sword fight. But anyways. Your name is Chow, but he's a samurai? What a ninja. But he's got a katana. Yeah, you know I'm saying Chow, Chow isn't that was not a Chinese name. It's very much a Chinese name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chinese <laughs> Chinese ninja. She's a Chinese ninja. He's breaking mm. stereotypes. <laughs> so, yeah, that 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 whole thing plays out very differently in the graphic novels. Yeah, but uh, but in in the novels they they talk a lot about how Scott's supposed to be the best fighter in the province. Like specifically, several characters say that oh. he's the best fighter in the province. <laughs> yeah. So they, they yeah. don't go for that too much in the in the movie. Yeah, in the movie, I was very surprised when because I knew very little about I knew nothing about the graphic novel. I kind of avoided seeing the uh, trailers. I knew a little bit. I knew the basic concept that he had to fight the evil actors. And I just assumed he was just some schmo. So when he like uppercuts Dave Patel and does some sort of like super you know fighting game move, I'm like, oh shit! Main character knows how to fight. Oh, I, had, I was taken completely off guard. So, so guess he didn't think Dave Patel was funny. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> hey, Wade said it. What? I've seen Dave Patel stand up. It's it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, I know. I've seen him live. Dave At- Dave Attell. Yeah, Dave, but you said Dave Dave, Dave Patel when you were talking about the scene. What's his What's his name? Patel. Matthew Patel. Oh, Matthew Patel. I can't remember their freaking names. I don't have the Wikipedia page in front of me, all right? You guys read hundreds of pages of, of – of, it's like yeah, it's like when I have to correct people's names for Game of Thrones. I read the 7,000 pages of the Song of Ice and Fire. I remember their names. They only have a couple hours of Game of Thrones to go to remember the names. You guys had hundreds of pages to remember everybody's fucking name. <laughs> I, I'm, I only have two hours. I've heard it from the movie. What's that? Well, the movie specifically goes out of his way and goes – I'm Matthew Patel. Yeah, very with a lot of flair. Yeah. Fine, you're better than me, Scott. Is that what you want to hear? You're better at remembering Indian people's names. Thank you. That's all I was asking for. Okay. <laughs> Dave Gabriel. I'm make my own movie. Make my own names better. With blackjack and hookers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And obviously, no Indian people. <laughs> well, they're all going to be named Dave. <laughs> there you go. A billion people named Dave. Sort that out. So, so we talked about the exes. Uh, Michael Sarah. I I don't know if he's playing out of type here because he's still kind of the. I I, I don't know of a good word to describe Michael Sarah. Smarmy. He's Michael Sarah. I, I don't know Sarah esque. Yeah, uh, his the, the attributes of his character weren't very Michael Sarah y, but he played he played it in a Michael Sarah way. Is all I can really say, you know, because he was kind of uh, yes, a real super self absorbed, and he kind of you know went for things. When you think of my, Michael Sarah character, they're really shy and passive and mumbly, whereas he was kind of like he acted shy and mumbly. Uh, Scott Pilgrim in the movie, but he was constantly grasping for things and going for it, and being very self-absorbed. You know that whole running gag where someone said his uh, his hair was looking what scraggly or something. To the end, the next shot was him wearing a hat. You know, yeah. Also, like he doesn't remember like any of his breakups. 
Like they, yeah. they go through like so what happened when you broke up times, oh we're peaches and gravy. And you see her yeah. in the background and you hear the No yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or with Kim. Oh we broke up like right. broke up in high school. And she had freckles. It was like close up on her face. She's yeah. still just all freckles and <laughs> Yeah. He's like uh, she's like give him the death glare. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but he's yeah. I I really liked him in this. Uh, love Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona. Yeah, kind of aloof, uh, but yeah. still just kind of super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she played the kind of unattainable, but also very desirable, very well. She kind of played that bouncing act. You can see why yeah. he would be going through all this trouble. But she was also, but you know, it didn't come across as she was inflicting on this him, uh, this on him. Yeah, I, I like that it was it was maybe Pixie Dream Girl, but not Manic Pixie yeah. Dream Girl. Yeah. Literally. But that's that is true. <laughs> oh, there's just this convenient subspace highway it's running through your head and saves like three miles. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot you, you, yeah, I forgot you guys don't have that in Canada. She's good. Uh Karen Culkin as the, the gay roommate. Right. <laughs> it's my cool gay roommate Wallace. He's gay. <laughs> oh, do you want to know who in my school is gay? Yes, do they wear glasses? <laughs> so hey, that, it's that one guy. Yeah, it's <laughs> that one guy. It totally says. I like how he goes from the, the first fight in the bar to fight to just complete disinterest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the rest of the movie, he just... Scott, evil ex, fight. Fight, yeah. <laughs> then he steal Scott's sister's boyfriend yeah yeah that's the first gag of the then he, he pops up later in the movie <laughs> they're all, all there's like another dude too so there's like four of them in that tiny bed oh yeah it was other <laughs> scott yeah and he's, he's given uh wallace is giving scott the lecture about not cheating and <laughs> <laughs> double standard <laughs> so i hey I, I didn't write the gable i didn't write the gay rule book <laughs> take it up with liberace's ghost <laughs> like a little Seinfeld interlude in the middle. They had the lap jacket and everything. <laughs> I got the second base. Whoa. Maybe one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, set set pieces, characters, acting, action. I thought the action was really cool. Mm-hmm. Like who are you kinda of said, but um you know, Edgar Wright. You know, kind of upped his game for this one. Yeah. Uh, he and I think I think he went to like more of the fast cuts in at World's End than he did here. I feel like there wasn't as many of those here. It was more like the traditional kind of Eastern, where you see everything in the frame. Yeah. As opposed to World's End, was a lot more of the fast cuts, a lot more frantic. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. It was more more brawling, a lot more of like wrestling moves, more more, more Western style. Which I appreciated. Uh, so you get the, the great action, uh, and you get you get actors that you know you wouldn't think would be action movie stars, and they they make it look pretty good. Like Bruce yeah, Willis. Michael Sarah, Bruce Willis. Nobody will believe them as an action star, but look at him now. Right. Yeah. May Whitman. Hey, Bruce Willis. Yeah. The. Uh, the Indian guy, <laughs> Matthew Patel. 
Yeah, they made all these actors believable as action action stars. Chris Evans. Uh, and then, yeah, what is what is that bum ever done? Yeah, he's back to doing Shakespeare in the park now. <laughs> uh, and then finally, I love the hell out of the soundtrack. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, awesome soundtrack. Back, right? Yeah, there's a, there a lot yeah. of back. Uh, just a lot of. It was kind of all over the place, but uh, it it they went or Edgar Wright at least went out of his way to make sure that the movie tied or the music tied into whatever was going on in the movie. Yeah, I mean sometimes it was just background music, but a lot of the times it, you know it was directly related. It wasn't like they're trying to shoehorn in like a turn down for what song or whatever, <laughs> uh, or walking on sunshine or something. Right. Uh, which which is important because movie does play a big role in the movie. I mean, music, <laughs> music, music, music does play a big role in the movie. Uh, and then the graphic novels. So yeah, I mean that must have been kind of daunting because music is such a big theme in the story, and there's it's nowhere to be found in the graphic novel. You just it's just written about. So they had yeah. to invent all of this music that people had been talking about for hundreds of pages in this in the source material. Back then, and, good. And on yeah. that note, they they kind of hit the ground running with the the title sequence. Launchpad McQuack. That's not the title was, of the song. It was a very very tight intro where they kind of just quickly set up all the characters and they get down to the music, and that's yeah. pretty much all you need to know about everybody in the movie. Uh-huh. Until you, until you get to like Ramona Flowers, anyways. Right. Uh, again, the cool intro where the camera pans out and the, the hallway grows, and you, you know. Knives, knives in awe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, do you guys have anything else to add about the movie? It's awesome. Go watch it, go buy the books. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm definitely going to read the graphic novels at some point. You can borrow them from Scott, and then maybe I can get them back from you. <laughs> I don't, I don't, Alex, why don't you just let Wade Warriors? What <laughs> a dick. You know, I was roommates with you, Alex, and you never offered to let me read because the Because Scott notes. had him by then. Uh, really? really? Yeah. That far back he's had him for that yes! long? Yes. Jeez, Scott. Don't, wait, don't, don't listen, don't, don't, don't listen to Alex. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> do, do the graphic novels still exist? Did you, yeah, did you that destroy sounds, them? That sounds like a philosophical question. <laughs> oh, Jeebus H. <laughs> Does, does I can be sure of any things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are we even talking right now? <laughs> We're just a space whale's dream right now. We don't really exist. All right. And no, I think we're done with talking all, about right. Scott yeah, Pilgrim. It's, it's time for Neom News. Yeah. I never get tired of Wade's uh, Neom News call. I have no idea what I'm doing. No, it's fine. No, no, it's perfect. I'm really just trying to imitate you guys. Just watch your No, 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 Alex, Alex. That's as close as I can see. If it ain't broke, why fix it? I know. He's just speaking like Congolese or something, right? I don't know. Anyways, are we, a, uh, are we doing like a really racist imitation of like an African, a real African language? Is that what we're doing? 
No, we're making a very racist imitation of a Nia. Okay. <laughs> you got to okay, so there was. Alex, you realize. Don't worry, but I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Guys right. are so protective. <laughs> Anybody knowing what the hell you're talking about? <laughs> that, that one thing. God forbid anybody get the reference. Somebody has. Uh, listener William. Mm-hmm. He totally gets it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, so... What's well, your news, Scott? We'll, we'll go to Alex first. Uh, Ooh, they're going to me first. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about what probably is in all of our uh, news feeds today. But uh, go ahead and get us rolling on this, Alex. Oh, I did not oh. know this. Yeah, it's going to be Asa Butterfield from Ender's is... Game. Oh, that guy. Uh, Ender from Ender's Game. Okay. Now, are you are you sh- are you one hundred percent sure about this, Alex? Well, you know, <laughs> I've read a couple. There's a couple articles saying the same thing. So, if it's more than one, then it's it might I've, be true. I've I've read that they were considering him. Yeah, they're probably okay, all well, quoting the same speculative thing. I'm I'm <laughs> seeing here that uh, Latino Review is saying Asa Butterfield to Spider-Man. So, oh, Latino Review. I they're actually. Very good about getting scoops. Oh yeah, yeah, they're legit. Now, know. so it's is it in Spanish, the article? I don't think so. And it's not about any Latinos. So what about Latino Review makes it Latino? It's about Latinos reviewing. I've actually never gone to the site. I just know they managed to get scoops. It's really so weird. how do you, how do you know that they get scoops if you've never been to the website? Because I usually. They usually get credited like when I'm at Chud or something like that. It's in English. Say scoop goes to or news comes from Latino no, no, And then no. it always always turns out to be true. Yeah. Okay. Well good on Latino review, muy bien. <laughs> muy, muy bien. <laughs> I was being racist. But yeah, what? I think second to Toby Maguire, I think that's a pretty good call. You thought Toby Toby McGuire was the best casting, you think? Oh, I mean, on par, not second to. Because I like, okay. I very much like Toby McGuire as uh, Peter Parker. Yeah, I thought that was good casting. Too. I didn't like I, I, the 32-year-old being cast as Peter Parker in this Spectacular Spider-Man or Amazing Spider-Man or whatever. He was, no, well, I think Andrew Garfield was younger than Toby Yeah, McGuire. definitely. Toby McGuire was pretty old, especially for a high, high schooler. Yeah, I've got I've got nothing against uh, Andrew Garfield. He wasn't what was wrong with those movies. So yeah, yeah. But I like that an actual kid is going to be playing, you know, Peter Parker. I, How I, old is he now? Do you know? Uh, well, I know he had a giant growth spurt during Ender's Game, and his yeah. voice kind of changed too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, he was like a like foot a... taller than the bully that was supposed to be like pushing him around. <laughs> Well, that kid was like four feet tall, though. That was kind of awkward. Yeah, that's true. Well, it was a very strange casting. They chose like the smallest, smallest guy in the world to be well, the bully. Kind of like train spotting. You got to watch out for the little guys. Big B. Yeah, I guess. Bonzo, what a dick. So, uh, what's the plan Spider-Man. with this Spider-Man? Do you know? I think for the first one that he's just gonna make like a cameo as Peter Parker. I don't think he's gonna be an actual Spider-Man. In what? In, I think, the next Avengers movie? 
Uh, so not for so in three years we'll be seeing no no no, no no he's supposed to be in the next Captain America movie oh okay okay because he's supposed what to play it? have he's supposed to have like a big role in the the Civil War at least in the comics oh yeah that's right he does have a huge role in Civil War so uh, I I I read or heard somewhere that they wanted that's somebody was thinking about doing four Spider-Man movies like one for every year that he's in high school which doesn't make any sense to me but. They're gonna start him in as a freshman. Yeah, I I, I don't know. That's still supposed to work. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm actually more interested to see who they get to do the next J. Jonah. Who did it in Amazing? Yeah, I don't even remember. I, I don't remember. I don't even know if they even had that character really. Yeah, I don't recall it. I don't think so. Whoever it was, it wasn't a very memorable part. I mean, I mean, J.K. Simmons is pretty. Yeah, <laughs> pretty was, good. That was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, he. That, that, that character's right in his wheelhouse. Uh-huh. Like the Cave Johnson type of... Stuff the gator <laughs> before they open the caviar. Gold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a business. Anyways, that's my news. Okay. Wade? Uh, I don't have any, like, news. I just saw the the, Reese, the newest uh, Kurt Cobain documentary, Montage hey, of Heck. Yeah. How was that? On HBO. It was very good. It was very interesting. Um, so I didn't realize until afterwards, but it was apparently, um, like, a Courtney Love, uh, like, had the idea to do it and, like, approached the director with the idea of doing it. So, like, Dave Grohl wasn't in it, which was very noticeable, like, because it had Kirk Cobain, mm-hmm. all of his family. He had, like, a bunch of step-parents and parents and sisters, and, ex- and his uh, Chris Novelisek is in it, um... And uh, it was, there's a whole bunch of home movies between uh, from his childhood and like Courtney Love and him recorded apparently a lot of home movies of just each other doing their weird things, looking really bad, looking like uh, like drugged out, crazy, like heroin, like heroin addicts. Yeah, looking like heroin. It looked like serious heroin addicts. <laughs> and so yeah, but you know it doesn't really go into like how he died. Like well, it, it, like the month. Uh, it basically ends with his unplugged concert, and then just kind of cuts to a month later he killed himself. Yeah. There's people have been asking, like, you know, did they go into the fact that Courtney Love killed him? That's everybody's favorite topic when talking about <laughs> Kurt Cobain. Uh, but like, yeah, so a documentary, you know, kind of with Courtney Love behind it isn't really going to go into that. But it was a fascinating look at his character stuff that you know, because I really love Nirvana and. I remember, you know, Kurt Cobain being the icon, the, the quote-unquote voices of the generation and everything. But, I, you know, I didn't really know much about his personality or what his, you know, drives were. And it was kind of interesting to, to see that and where it all came from. And how much of the lyrics of these songs I've been listening to were so autobiographical about these specific things in his life. That was interesting. Yeah, I was, was going to ask, like, how, how much of the they actually go into the music? You hear a lot of the music. There's also, they mix it up with like a couple of the songs are like covers. Like they do like a cello cover of one of the songs. I forget what, I think it's, it smells like Teen Spirit um, at certain parts. Um, you see a lot of like, you know, some of his private recordings of like the the very, the, the early versions of the songs. And uh, there's some computer graphics. Like he apparently like recorded, there's crazy amounts of records about him, which is crazy that... I hadn't seen any of it before since he's such a popular person, but he had these long, I don't know where they got them from, but these long monologues about 
aspects of his childhood and these really memorable anecdotes about like you know being on the bridge with all of his friends that he hated smoking pot and then they'd go to this uh, retarded girl's house and steal booze from her basement and really creepy sordid things from his life that he was just narrating to somebody Hmm. and so they would like animate those the actual scenes that he's talking about which is really fascinating and uh, he apparently like wrote a whole, I don't know exactly because they keep a lot of it actually like probably about 25% of the movie is showing like these handwritten notes about the stuff that he's talking about and they would kind of like draw it out as if it's being drawn in front of you and stuff and it seems like this was actual notes like he must have had boxes full of notepads that he would just write down all of his thoughts and and also just like random you know like like how much money he was getting for the each you know each uh, concert venue when he was still a garage band and how he'd have like you know fifteen dollars a week to spend on himself after all of his expenses and stuff like that and it's all very fascinating just things yeah so if you're interested in learning a little bit more about Nirvana at all I thought it was very very yeah, interesting too, too bad there's no Dave Grohl in there, although it's not like Dave yeah. Grohl hasn't done his own documentaries. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, too much with Nirvana, though. One final thought about the movie was that I came after the end of it, I couldn't help but thinking about, you know, the Simon and Garfunkel song, Richard Corey? You ever heard that song? Uh, I, I wish that I could be Richard Corey. Okay. It's, it, the song is based on a on a poem about this. Richard Corey is this you know man about town. Everybody loves him. He's the icon of the city. Um, he's rich. He's powerful. Everybody loves him. He's handsome. And then the very last line is, and then he put a bullet through his head. And so the Simon and Bar- Gar- Garfunkel song is they, they insert they kind of put that to music and the the chorus is it's from the perspective of one of Richard Corey's employees working in like the coal mines and he's saying he wished he could be Richard Corey he wished he could be Richard Corey and then it goes to the part where he, he shoots himself in the head and then it goes right back in the chorus I wish I could be Richard Corey and afterwards you watch this movie about this really tortured genius and you think and you're you're struck with like the the dual perceptions of how amazing it must have been to have been Kurt Cobain and be so artistic and be living life to such the, to the bleeding edge of, of, of craziness and yet also be so incredibly tortured and miserable and flame out at 27 years old. So I felt like really like that, that like the, 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 the Simon and Garfunkel song, Richard Corey, after seeing that movie. Damn. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So I recommend it. Check it out if you have right. HBO or have yeah. access to uh, an internet connection. Right. <laughs> and loose morals. <laughs> I gotta uh, stretch my morals out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Limber up. Limber up. <laughs> been a, uh, I got a big knot in the morals. <laughs> gotta work it out. All right, so what's what's the thing that everybody's talking about this week, Scott? What are the kids talking about? Yeah. Talking about Harry Shearer leaving The Simpsons. The kids love talking about Harry Shearer. Yes, we, just, we just actually mentioned this, that the show would go on forever. Yeah, on The Simpsons yeah. podcast, unless one of, these, one of the big guys left, but Jeebus H. Apparently, I think it was some sort of contract dispute. He was holding out for merchandising or something like that. That's, that's what I read today. Uh, he was offered, I don't know, it was... Double figures in the millions. Yeah. Uh, so, I, he's in his seventies now, early seventies, I think. Really? Is he? Wow. Yeah. He's like, I'm so. I just kind of think man. he just wasn't yeah. doing it that much anymore. 
He's been doing it for 26 years. Yeah. I, I got to think nobody on that, that that's a regular on that show is hurting for money. Oh, definitely not. So, I mean, there just comes a point where it's just not worth it for him anymore. But would, why, why would he make it about the money, though? If it was a contract, he the money. No, what I read was that they, uh, Fox put in like a stipulation where he couldn't do any outside work. Oh, that's I did hear something about that, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's something else about his other gigs, I think, yeah, there's something yeah. about that. That would, so he yeah. turned around and then said, okay, well then, give me more money. <laughs> mm. and, and then, then it, it didn't no. work. Yeah. And mm. there, somebody over there is already on record as saying that they're going to find the the best voice talent they can to replace him. I'm yeah, the Russian Rogue. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they can't write out that many characters. Oh, Mr. Burns and Flanders. Yeah. Mr. Burns, Flanders, Kent Brockman. Kent Brockman. I mean, he can probably be written out. The preacher. So they're gonna, then there's going to be no news broadcasts. If there's no Ken Brockman, there's no news. No, there it's was just... one episode where it's like, <laughs> hello, I'm so-and-so. Ken Brockman is uh, out on vacation or something, and they had some other guy. Yeah, but all of a sudden, they, yeah. <laughs> That's how I would do it. They just, just do all Bumblebee guy. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Cheer also does, he do uh, Chalmers, Superintendent Chalmers, or Principal Skinner? You get a Skinner after, yeah. Yeah, probably the Skinner. Jesus. So, you know, yeah, that's that once, once, yeah, like, like we said, if the actors started going, then that would be, that'd be it. Oh, I can't wait. The end of The Simpsons. But wait so long. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> do you watch it anymore? No. And why do you care? Because I want it to end. Damn it. <laughs> when was the last season you watched? Uh, it was either 14 or 15. Yeah. That's probably around where I quit as well. Mm-hmm. It was just interesting to have the show that is <laughs> like pretty much too big to fail at this point. Yeah. So it's the only the other reason for it to stop is just the people to just walk away. Or die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. I, th- I really thought one of them was going to die before they quit. Well, several cast members have died. They just weren't major <laughs> enough. <laughs> Yeah, there's now Mrs. Krabappel, right? Yeah, Marshall Wallace. Yeah, yeah, Marshall Wallace. And Lunch Lady Doris and Mrs. Krabappel. Yeah, it, it's... I mean, they're going to carry on? I wonder what the other cast members think. you got to wonder that their, their their enthusiasm for doing the show has got to be nil at this point. They're oh, yeah. probably just cashing paychecks. They've probably been cashing paychecks for a while, but they're probably still like, you know, working with the people and getting well, lots of money and stuff like yeah, that. But now... Maybe they're so old, so now it's just something to do. Get out of the house, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something to be said when you're in your God, I, I, I think the youngest person like Azaria or Yearly Smith yeah. they gotta be in their 50s yeah oh yeah at least mm-hmm. so uh, I go and tell p- yellow people what to do <laughs> <laughs> who's who voices Abe Simpson it's Castaneda okay Castaneda well, so, Harry Shearer probably had the most work outside of The Simpsons than anyone else. Well, I guess Hank Azaria would have. Probably as much. No, Yearly Smith. <laughs> <laughs> she was in that, uh, the, what was that evil car movie that we watched a while back? Christine? Uh, no, it was the Stephen King. Maximum Overdrive. Maximum uh, yeah. Overdrive, yeah. Whew. She was like 21 years old in that or something. 
<laughs> yeah, she was the the new bride, right? Right. Yeah. Just the newlywed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and here we all thought that you couldn't set an entire score set to <laughs> ACDC. ACDC. Proved us wrong. <laughs> they were able to hit every single emotional beat. They had a song ready for <laughs> every every contingency. The Swiss Army knife of music, they call them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're Swiss? <laughs> they could be if you want them to be. Uh. Fun, fun fact, James Cameron was originally going to go with ACDC for Titanic. <laughs> but due to a, a scheduling, scheduling conflict, yeah, like scheduling conflict <laughs> he had to go with uh, James Horner, I think. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been an honor playing with you. She was a sex machine. clean. Iceberg. Iceberg. We need TNT. They go down rocky with the ship. Yeah. Rock can never die. No way. <laughs> they would play so hard that the ro- the ship would just float back up and fix yeah. itself. That would be an 80s music video. Yeah, right the power of rock. With <laughs> the power of rock. <laughs> fix everything. With the power of rock. Squibbly doo. Yeah. <laughs> Melted grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> uh. All right, so we all learned something just now. Yeah. Uh power of rock so if nobody else has any other news uh, what are we, what will we be talking about next week Alex Trish what are we going to be talking about Trish is Team here. Wolf yeah. <laughs> Team Wolf <laughs> yes finally I know we've been teasing you guys about Team Wolf <laughs> I know there's just a huge <laughs> demand yeah but <laughs> definitely next week Teen Wolf. <laughs> I don't know why she needs like a whole week to prep, but I'm, we should just let Trish run the show. She's just going to run the show next week. I forgot I was going to try to tie everything back to Teen Wolf for this podcast. Oh, yeah. but I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to just try to shoehorn just as much Teen Wolf talk into this thing as possible. That reminds me of Teen Wolf. You know? Scott Pilgrim <laughs> kind of Teen Wolfy. You get that vibe? He's got the two sides of his personality. What's it mean? There's a character named Scott in the movie? That's right, yeah. Team Wolf. Yeah. Boof. boof. I think basi- when he, basically when he touches Matthew Patel, he says, yeah. it says Boof. <laughs> you just threw on a blue wig on Boof. Yeah, basically the same it's thing. Twins, yeah. You can mm. barely tell them apart. Mm-hmm. But all right, uh, Teen Wolf it is. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. This program's been brought to you by Teen Wolf Tea. (laughs) It's howlingly delicious.